Let's get started. This is Fundraising Radio, episode number 13. And today as a guest speaker, we have Alexis Bodred, the founder of Make It Studio, uh, who will share with us today why should you start selling fast, as fast as you can, and what are the perks of the Lean Startup. And by the way, speaking of Lean Startup, before we get started, I wanted to say that our sponsor is Marple App, which is a great app that helps you check different marketing campaigns right away with no effort at all. So check it out. I will leave the link in the description. And Alexis, let's get started by you kicking off a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what makes cool. Make a Studio great and special. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Um, so I'm Alex. Um, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, like a few, like maybe 15 years now. Um, I had uh, the joy to learn to code very, very young, and I built my first product that was able to sell to a big car manufacturer in Europe uh, when I was four, 14 years old. And I didn't do this by myself. I had my brother-in-law that was you know, much better at business than myself. I was like uh, doing the code. I was kind of geek. And um, so he, I was doing the coding, and he, he was uh, the one selling the product, but we, we made it. And uh, it was a pretty awesome success. And since then, I've been trying to find a way on how to replicate that, that success. Um, and so since I've, you know, I've been 14 years old, I've been trying to launch a few projects. And since I was able to code, I was always trying to build that product very fast. Because if you can code, well, it's, it's, I mean, you, you remain in your comfort zone and I mean, you do you want you want to do what you love to do, so which is you know building products. Um, but the problem is that if you feel so passionate about building products, usually you forget all about the actual you know need of the customer. So the worst experience that I've had as an entrepreneur was that I would um, well I built a, a whole product, a whole platform uh, for one full year in stealth mode, meaning you know, keeping it secret, uh, not talking to anyone about it. Um, and we're both of us, both uh, tech tech people. So we, we, we had been building this platform for, for one full year and being very proud of the technology, of course. <laughs> but uh, after one year, we actually launched it to the public. And guess what? No one wanted that platform. Um, <laughs> so we had like a few users but uh, I mean, it just didn't make sense. And um, we spent a whole year like building this thing that no one really wanted. And when you live this kind of experience, um, I mean, it's today, I feel it's a great experience because I've teach my, I mean, because of that uh, experience, um, I mean, it, it was a very good lesson for me. And so since then, I have like a sixth sense about how you can de-risk a project and not uh, do the same mistake again. Uh, but of course, it was a very hard moment as well because I mean, you just realized that you had built this whole platform for actually nothing. And the whole studio, the whole Make It studio, uh, which I'm going to talk a bit more about it, is, is based, I believe, on that experience. Is how do you de-risk? How do you make sure that you can build a company on strong foundations? Right, making sure that whatever you are building, you're building for a purpose and that people actually want that and, of course, are even willing to pay for that. So that's a bit about myself. Now, maybe I should explain a bit more about what Make It does. 
Yeah, so I think uh, the phrase that uh, make it studio is focused on zero risking the companies. It's pretty much self-descriptive, but sure, go on a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, so make it is a, is a, I mean, a startup studio, a venture studio. Um, so what it what that means is that we uh, see ourselves as an investment firm that is going going to invest very very early, like idea stage. And ideally, we don't want to see an MVP and, and no sales at that time, right? Um, usually, investors, they want to de-risk, of course, so they want to see traction. They want to see growing revenue. They want to see a product. Um, but for us, as a venture studio, we want to be part of that process of building that, pr that product and building that traction. Uh, for us as investors, it means that we can come at a stage where the valuation is very small, very low, um, which brings us more ROI. But, and, and of course, it, it's also much riskier, right? Um, and the way we can tackle that much risk is because we're going to be part of the operational team. Um, we have a team of around 25 people, whether it's, you know, a whole team that is so, whose sole focus is to generate customer traction as a mean to, you know, de-risk. Um, and, and then we have another team that's going to, you know, build the product and then another team is going to focus on, on building that first sales pipeline, um, people that can help fundraise and all that. I mean, this is what our team can bring to the table. And by being part of the operational team, we really understand in our guts what the entrepreneur is facing, what they, their struggles are. And that's how we believe we can be of much more value. Uh, and that's how we then can really de-risk the project. And we believe that even if we do take a lot of risk because we invest at the idea stage, we believe that it's not as risky as what people think uh, because being part of the personal team, being part of, of being able to, to, to um, help grow the startups from earlier yeah. on, build the team and, and so on. Did yes? My bad, someone joined us with their microphone unmuted. Oh, you can use it. That's great. <laughs> That's fine. Let's keep going. Sorry um, for that. Yeah, so, so that, I think that, that summarizes pretty much um, you know, our model, uh, meaning like investment at idea stage and how we you know, tackle that much risk is because we have an operational team. Um, and, and the fact that we, we really want to be there as soon as possible, uh, even before the, 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 the team has built his or her first MVP, um, that to me, that's one of the, the key things that I see because of the story that I, that I just told you. It's not because you have an MVP or a big, great product that, that your business is going to be successful. I think I demonstrated that in the, the first story that I told. Um, but also because I see that whenever a company has already built an MVP, either, um, well, they haven't validated their, their assumptions, meaning that, well, we're not sure if the product uh, fits the market or fits a, a need from a customer. And also, eh, you know, building a product, you know, it needs talent, need expertise. And since at that stage, entrepreneurs might not have the right resources, financial resources to actually have the right team to do it. I see a lot of compromises on the tech part. And to me, if you were able to validate assumptions on the market side very early on, and you start building a product, then this product should be solid, right? It should be right technology. I, I don't mean that it should be 
like a full product, I mean, it should be still an MVP that should be built so that you can, you know, have strong foundation on the technology and build along the way on that same product, right? There's no need to having to, you know, at certain times scratch it and start over. That's just depressing. <laughs> right, yeah. Actually, uh, just like a little bit of personal background with me and Alexis, we met at a meetup that he organized that the name for the meetup was We Invest in Your Ideas That You Write on a Napkin. And on that meetup, uh, Alexis, you told me a great story about a lady who started selling fast as hell. So uh, can you tell us this story, mm -hmm. please? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a story that I like to tell. Uh, because usually when I say that, you know, I say to people that you can sell uh, without writing one line of code or without actually having to build a product, people don't believe me, right? And I have strong use cases, like real stories that I lived myself or with the entrepreneurs that we work with. Um, and, and to prove that, that's not true, right? Of course, you always have exceptions to the rule, right? <laughs> But I might say that maybe 95% of the cases, I have always, I find always ways to start generating that traction, trying to sell even before you have a product. By the way, I believe that a product and technology in general, not a product, but technology, I mean, technology is a, is a tool to either optimize processes or automate processes, right? Um, which is very important to scale. But when you start a new company, when you build a new startup, well, before, you know, scaling, you got to start validating your, your business uh, model, right? So you can do this without technology in most cases, unless you do like deep tech and you need a lot of, you know, patents and all that. But in, in general cases, most of the cases that I see, you can always uh, start generating customer traction without a product. And this is the story that, that I told Costas at that time about the lady, as you say. <laughs> um, so that, so what happened was that, um, uh, also I didn't tell, the, tell this, but I'm from Belgium originally. So the Venture Studio started out there six years ago, and now I'm replicating that same model uh, in, in the US, in SoCal. Um, but so this story that, that I want to tell now happened in Belgium. Uh, and in Belgium, um, you don't have the same weather that you have you know, in Los Angeles or in SoCal. Um, and um, during the winter, the way that we heat ourselves is with oil, household uh, fuel. And so what it means is that in every house, or in, um, not, not every, but, but in most of the cases, you have a tank either you know, in, in, your, in your garden, in your yard, or um, in the basement. And then you fill that tank with household fuel. And that's the, the, the that's going to be helpful for heating yourself. Okay, uh, now that entrepreneur in the winter had a bad experience because one day she wakes up, she wants to take a shower, but what happens? She didn't have any fuel anymore in her tank, so the heating system was not enabled, and so she had to take a like a cold shower, right? <laughs> and so that's 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 how the idea started. And she realized that it's okay, of course, it's very uncomfortable to have this. Um, and she was wondering, like, do other people always also have this kind of same problem? And also, I mean, for a shower, a cold shower, that's okay. But maybe businesses rely on um, having always a filled tank to properly you know, ex execute or operate their business. 
So, I mean, that's how the idea started. And she was trying to understand more about the kind of problem that she, that she was facing. And then she, we, we met and she was like, hey, you are a venture studio. Um, I have this idea. I mean, the problem, I mean, I just told you about the problem. I'm, I'm having an idea that maybe we can build a gauge, like an electronic gauge that's going to measure in real time the level of the fuel. And so she said, oh, you are invest idea stage. I just have an idea. Why don't you give me the money to, to build that, that gauge? <laughs> and I was like, hey, that's not it's going to happen, right? And then so we started talking and I was like, hey, um, why don't you try to validate that people actually have the same problem and that people are willing to pay for a solution such as that gauge, because maybe having a short, uh, cold shower uh, some, sometime or one day in, in the winter is, is not something that people want to get solved or you know, have, want to spend money on, right? Which, of course, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, so what she did, she, she, um, she went to a kind of neighborhood, um, saw like the houses that had one of those tanks in the, in the, in the yard, and then she, you know, make a list of all those people, their addresses, and then find their phone number. And then she would call them one by one, trying not to ask them about what if they would love to have this kind of solution. No, no, no. She was trying to sell. Because if you ask people what they believe or what they, they think about an idea, well, I mean, then they are in creative mode and they are thinking, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I know Java, but then they start being creative with you about that, that problem, that solution. But it's, it's, it's biased information. You cannot really rely on that and, and trust their, um, I mean, the, their creativity to start building a business upon. So instead, what she did, she tried to put those people that she talked to in a buying mode, right? So instead of saying, hey, what do you think about this idea? She would say, hey, do you have this problem? Like, have you already one day uh, woken up in the morning and had the control because you didn't have any fuel in the deck? So she did this for a few calls. And then she was trying to validate if people actually had that problem. Because if they don't have the problem, then you just stop and that's it. Um, and then while she was talking to them, people either would say, yeah, it happens, but yeah, that's fine. I mean, I... I don't really care. But uh, then she came up with other um, uh, answers. And she was like, yeah, in the winter, you know, I got to go to the yard and my tank is on the ground. So I got to do all this thing and it's annoying. And so I, I, I don't want to do it. And that's why I have this shortage. So she, she gathers information, right? And why she discusses with this person, she validates one, that they have the problem. And that's a good um, target audience. So who is my client? That's how she can validate that. And then she goes a little step further and says, hey, you know what? I have a solution for you. I have a solution that will give you um, almost real time the level of your tank. And it costs $90 a month. So she doesn't have a product. <laughs> she comes with a solution and she sells that. And then she sees a reaction. Do people want to buy that? Um, well, of course, first she, she has validated whether, you know, they have the problem or not, but if they do have their problem, then they fit, then she feels interest. Then she goes a little bit further and, and tries to sell even with the pricing, right? And then people say, well, $90 a month, that's, that's too much. Uh, why is, is it a recurring uh, fee? You know, maybe I only need it in the winter, not in the summer. Um, you know, it's too expensive. 
she gets feedback, right? And she just she calls a few people like that, and then she moves along her pipeline, and she updates her speech. So the next call, she's gonna do, hey, what about um, twenty-five dollars? You know, she tests all the variables of her business model, validating each assumption one at a time. Okay, and eventually, after having called, I don't know, like hundred people maybe, or even more, she actually sells to one person. So this is, to me, this is a great story because not only she doesn't focus on the product, she really tries to understand whether people have that problem first and try to see whether there's a solution. And by the way, she doesn't talk about a gauge. She says, I'm going to give you like an almost real-time value of your tank. Um, she tests the solution, whether there is a fit. And on top of that, she tests if people are willing to pay for that, right? And this is... So focusing her whole, whole energy on, on validating those assumptions, validating her business model without being um, blocked by technical issues. So eventually she, she sold to one of the people, but then she realizes, yeah, but wait, what am I going to do now? I got, I got to deliver, right? I got to deliver that value. So either she says, oh, you know what? I will just tell them that I don't have a solution. And it was like fake. And I just want to validate her assumptions, which is already fine. But she went a step further. She wanted to know what it was to actually deliver that value without tech. So she set up some meeting with that person um, and goes to that person's house and delivers the value, which is going to the tank, opening the tank, taking a, like a long rod, you know, put it into the tank, measure the level, and then go back home, send an email to that client saying, hey, you have that much uh, remaining in your tank. And she would do this a few times a month manually, delivering that value. And the, by doing that, she realized how the, 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 the customer would actually react to the value she would provide. Um, she would realize that some of the tanks are in the yard, some in the basements, maybe some, sometimes they are, we have multiple types of tanks. I mean, she would learn so much about the environments in which she would have to bring value. Um, and she would also validate uh, the time they would, they, would, they, would, they would take to do all that and they didn't know that, that value. She would learn so much about from A to Z, what it is to attract a customer, to sell to a customer, and even to deliver that value and see the metrics that are linked to that in a very controlled and small environment. She did this for a few months because that's what she agreed upon with that, that, those few customers. She had a few customers. Um, it was so painful to do that because, of course, she doesn't make a lot of money doing that. It's all of the manual work, but it's fine because you've got to do the manual, the manual work first before understanding what it is to actually deliver value and then automate that process with technology. So once, once she had done this uh, on a few clients, then she realized that there were already a few existing um, you know, solutions out there. They were not optimized the way she wanted it because she learned so much from the business so she knew exactly what, what needed to be built. But so she found a few, a few other gauges that were uh, yeah, not as good, but, but could deliver like, you know, this measurement. 
um, for instance, one of the solutions that she found out was that you can install a gauge, but it was not connected to the internet, right? So instead of having to manually take the measurement of the tank herself, she would just go uh, by the house and see like the display of that, um, of that gauge, right? So it would already approve a little bit. Um, and then she would also learn more about her competitors because the people that provided already those gauges, well, they were competitors. So she learned about them. Um, and how did she learn about them? Because she used this. She used this on a few customers. And she went from 10 manual customers to, to a few hundreds by using the competitors' devices. And by doing that, she has more volume, more data, more cases. She, she learns so much, again, about what she needs to do. And then she, after that, she knew exactly how to be different from the competition, how to price her model because she sold from day one. And eventually, we, we, we built the gauge, um, a very good gauge, better than competition, that was at a good pricing and with the right features. And now, she just raised her Series A, uh, scaling the business, and she also went to B2B because B2C is very, I mean, it's a very nice story, but at the end of the day, there is much more uh, value into delivering that, that, um, that solution to the B2B um, with you know, fuel providers and stuff like that. And so she's doing great. That's an epic story. I just fucking love it. By the way, how much did she raise in Series A? Uh, around a million dollars. Nice. Which is, right. yeah, which is, which is, by the way, which is very good in, in Belgium because you have like, um, like a three, I say like a million dollars in Belgium means a three million dollars in the US, right? <laughs> everything right. is, everything is, uh, is um, proportional to um, the, the, the size of, of the markets. So yeah, it's, it's pretty good, uh, pretty good race. Yeah, that's, that's just an epic story that tells you guys why should you start selling from day one? All right. Um, yeah, and, and by the way, it's a connected device, right? So if it's not even software. It's even it's even harder um, to do that for for hardware because I mean you I mean you told you the story. Yeah, I just love it. I just love it. All right. So there is a question from Kirill. Um, I'm sure that's a good question. So uh, since many of our listeners are actually from Russia, they might be interested in working with you potentially. Uh, question is: Does make it group? Uh, Damn it! Sorry. Does Make It Studio accept uh, remote founders? Oh, that's <laughs> that's a good question. Um, at this at this time, no. Um, we are focused because there is this relationship in the face to face relationship that is very important when you when you create um, a company. As I said before, we need to be uh, involved operationally. Um, you know, in the company. So that's why we are in the same office and we can get to do this. Um, that's how we operate today, and it's either in Belgium or um, in so Southern California so far, because that's where I'm today. Um, but uh, it's true that in the future, we want to be able to have a model, like a venture studio model, in which we could um, also work with remote founders. Uh, but again, we have to scale ourselves, we get a mature ourselves, so that's not something that we can, you know, do today. Got it, got it. All right, guys, does anyone else have any questions? Except for the person 
if it doesn't mute their microphone, god damn it, I hate it. <laughs> I'm sorry. The OpenLint doesn't add the feature yet, so I, I cannot control that. All right, uh, I think we'll wrap it up here then. Alexis, do you want to say some like final words to our listeners? Well, I mean, hopefully through these um, few stories that I told you, um, I mean, you realized that building the product, that's the easy part, right? Because, I mean, even if, uh, certainly if you do like a uh, software, like an app, a mobile app, and you see them, them a lot out there, you have millions of apps out there. So people can do this. You just need a good team and execute. That's it. That's not the hard part of building a startup. What is very important is understanding the need of a customer and finding those customers. So if tomorrow you want to work on a startup or launch a new startup, make sure, I mean, my advice, of course, it's just my opinion, of course, but my advice would be don't, um, don't work on your solution yet. Make sure that you can try to provide value without a technical solution to your customers because that way you will teach yourself how to get to those customers, who they are, how, how much are they willing to pay for that solution. And the way I do this every single day when I'm working, I'm, I'm asking myself, uh, myself this, this question, which is what can I do today to deliver value tomorrow? And when I say today, I mean really today, not like in a week or two, no, like today. And when I say tomorrow, I mean tomorrow. And if you ask yourself these questions continuously about your idea and your startup, it will force you to execute very much faster and you will not have excuses such as, oh, but I need you know, to build that feature to start selling. Because that's, to me, that's a bad excuse. You gotta find hacks. Um, Fun hacks to to try to to, to trying to deliver that value much faster, uh, such so, so as tomorrow, for instance. Yeah, that's a great question, and and your approach of like those baby steps it makes p perfect sense. All right, um, we'll wrap it up here. Thanks a lot, Alexis, for joining us today at Founder yeah, Radio. My pleasure. Fundraising Radio. Keep forgetting. <laughs> and thanks everyone for joining too. And the next uh, episode should be on Saturday. Today was an exception on Friday, um, so see you all there. Have a good day. Cheers. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye.